You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Hello and welcome to the Giants Splash, the San Francisco Chronicles podcast on the Giants and Major League Baseball. I'm your host, Giants beat writer Susan Slusser, and for my very first time hosting Giants Splash, I've got a real tough interview subject, broadcaster Dwayne Kuyper. Uh, Dwayne, first of all, uh, welcome and congratulations, State Announcer of the Year. Uh, it was announced last week. How, how, how do you feel about that? Well, it was, you know, look, it, it, you reach a certain age and you appreciate anything like that that comes your way. And, uh, you know, it, it was nice. I mean, every once in a while, a pat on the back from somebody outside of your region, uh, you know, gives you one of those, you take it. I mean, you've won this award on the other side, the, the writing award. John Miller is the only one of the, the four of us who who hasn't won, but he's in the big Hall of Fame. Uh, so I don't think he cares at all about uh, Dave winning, Mike winning twice. Uh, but anyway, it's always, look, it's always an honor to take him, and uh, you understand that you're surviving the test of time, and uh, and if people appreciate what you do and, and they acknowledge you, it doesn't get any better than that. I don't, I'm looking for the perks, though. I don't, I don't know what kind of perks you got, but you, I'm still you get a little bit of swag, yeah. If you go to the actual event, you, you get a little swag. And, uh, well, so, that's not going to happen. Yeah, and I, I, you know what? I'd never been to Winston-Salem. Lovely little town. Absolutely fantastic. So, oh, so you win. Yeah, so that's fun. And our friend Bill King uh, makes it into the big national sports sports writer, sportscaster Hall of Fame uh, at the same time, which which is so kind of a good week for, for Bay Area media with that organization. Well, you know what? In a lot of ways... They should almost name some of these awards after him. Yes. Because he was so good at all of the sports that he did. Uh, I mean, in all honesty, you can look at it this way. Southern California had Ben Scully. Northern California had, had Bill King. Yeah. And, uh, and as far as I was concerned, in everything that Bill did, he was just as good as Ben Scully. Absolutely. And his basketball was second to none. His football, obviously, legendary. That's crazy. I, I can't imagine doing three sports, essentially working year-round. Uh, you know, football's not every day, but gosh, still, that's a, what a legacy. What a... Well, and, and, and basketball and football are so much different than baseball. Uh, but, you know, if, if I think it was John Miller who was telling us a story about how when he got the A's job, he, he went back and he ordered for the past prior year every uh sporting news that he could find and he just read and read and read and read all winter long and that was how he prepped think about that that's pretty extraordinary that is extraordinary well yeah you win this uh, uh, honor after a very strange year for broadcasters um 
I, you know, I think most of us have kind of heard the circumstances under which uh, you all had to work, uh, essentially in the studio, calling off a monitor. But what was it like for you, especially as a former player, having to to deal with not being at the ballpark, but still discussing a game that's that's happening on a little screen in front of you? Well, we were really fortunate. We only did one game from the studio, and that was the uh, one of the exhibition games between the A's and the Giants. And we were fortunate that we we were lucky enough to be at the park for every game. Now, when the Giants are in another city and we're at the park in downtown San Francisco, it is a wee bit odd when everything is dark. The ballpark is dark. Uh, the only thing that's on is the scoreboard. And you've got four different booths, and uh, that's, the, that's the only light that you see in the park. And uh, so, yeah, that, I mean, that was really odd, and it took a while to get used to it. Uh, you know, I've said this before, that when you're not actually seeing it with your own eyes at the park, you only see the hit or miss contact, like you're watching it at home. And I must have said, and here's the pitch, on the ground, I must have said on the ground every time because it's hit on the ground. You just don't know where. Yeah. So it's on the ground, base hit left field. Or on the ground, right at Crawford at short. And then I think, and if I'm saying on the ground, I must be saying in the air every time he goes in the air. In the air. It's like, geez, how am I going to win this California Sportscaster of the Year if all I'm saying is, is on the ground and in the air? You but that's have, about the only way you could do it. You must have done a really spectacular job of saying on the ground or in the air. How was that? Were home run calls particularly tough, or was, I mean, just was everything pretty much for those reasons when you're calling it off a monitor? You, yeah, you, you, you were, have no idea. Yeah, if you were ever going to get caught making a mistake on a home run call, it was going to be last year. And and I think I got caught a couple of times where, when contact was made, I thought it was gone. And, you know, you don't say it's gone, but in your voice, you can tell that you are letting the people know that you think it's gone. And then when it's caught, you know, up against the wall, you know, you're like, oh, man. And and a couple of times Mike has saved me and he'll go, you really had me fooled on that one. (laughs) I mean, all you could do is laugh, really. I think everybody understood the circumstances, but goodness gracious. Yeah, well, I was like, Mike, I'm not trying to fool you, but uh, but uh, thanks for at least uh, chiming in on that one. So, uh, hey, everybody had to go through it. And if we start out that way, that's, that's what we'll do. What, what are you hearing now, um, both in, in terms of what broadcasts might look like and just in, you know, getting things going right now? They've provided spring training dates. Everybody seems to be pointed toward yeah. a regular spring training, of course, without fans in the stands but what, what are you hearing well the, the you know i'm hearing that, that they're getting ready to well they, they're not getting ready i think they they're in the process of of uh getting things set up so that they'll be in a bubble again uh for at least parts of spring training maybe all of spring training uh from our standpoint the broadcaster standpoint and i just had a long conversation with john miller today because uh, it's more of a radio issue for us in spring training. I mean, we televise five games, and I don't know if we are going to televise 
Uh, I know it's in the contract, but we don't know. Radio-wise, for KMBR and the Giants, it's Saturdays and Sundays, and then any time during the week when we're playing the A's. But how are you going to, if you can't be at the park and it's not televised, how are we going to broadcast the games on the radio? That that seems uh, like a difficult ask. Yes. So anyway, John's point was today when I talked to him is he wants to to be able to go and do the games in the stadium. Yeah. And, and I agree with him. I mean, yeah. if it's a Saturday or Sunday, by that time, I'm, I hope that I'll be vaccinated and I won't have a problem getting on a plane and going for the weekend and then coming back. Yeah. But that's the only way you could legitimately do a game given the circumstances in spring training where games are hard to do anyway in the fifth inning when they change nine players. Right. Well, what I've been hearing is, and it's probably similar to you is that there will be home broadcasts allowed radio and TV. I presume, um, it, it seems pretty uncertain about road broadcasts during the spring, uh, but presumably if there is a broadcast from the other team, then you could do what you usually, well, not usually, right. but did last year. But uh, yeah, it's a, a lot of moving parts still, and who knows, things can change so quickly with this pandemic. But I have to tell you, Susan, I was really surprised when the commissioner came out and said, we're going to start on time. I really, really had a strong feeling that they would push it back a month and uh, that would maybe allow people to actually go to spring training and sit in the stands because more vaccines would be out. Yeah. And maybe by then the players could get vaccinated, which would be you start spring training in April, you start the season May 1st. That's a pretty logical plan. And then when he came, Mommy, you said it very strongly, no, we're going to start on time. I mean, I was shocked. And I, I'm, I'm glad, don't get me wrong. Yeah. Uh, but I am surprised that they didn't hold off for a month. Well, it's interesting. You know, when you look at Arizona, I think it's got right now, or certainly within the last couple of days, it was the state with, a, I think, the highest transmission rate per population. Uh, but it's also a state with a, a lot of older populations. So is Florida. Right. Theoretically, these are places where maybe a lot of people will qualify for vaccines early. So uh, maybe you can get that. I don't know how you, you just say... Give, show us your vaccination <laughs> certificate, and you, yeah. and you can come to the game. I don't know how that how necessarily that would work if that would even be legal. So, um, but uh, yeah, maybe a state like Arizona that right now might be sort of a little bit dicier might be a little safer within a month or two with that older. Population. Yeah, you would think that uh, if if they're you know if they're, if their program in Arizona is working better than the vaccine program in California, you know, then there's hope. Yeah. Uh, and you're right. It's a lot of retirees from all over the country that head to that area in the wintertime. Yeah, well, here's hoping. Uh, now, this this past year, weird as it was, I, I believe this was your 30th season working with Mike Kruko on broadcast. I think so, yeah. Is we, that... we were surprised. Well, when they threw this at us, we had no idea. You know, I mean, we just we just show up, have a good time, laugh, and do the games, and and then go home and do it again the next day. So when they threw this on us, you know, we were shocked. And it, more than anything, what we realized, Susan, is did it go that fast? I mean, it wasn't that long ago where Mike was doing his first game in Atlanta, 
And I said to him, I said, let's go to lunch. And then we're going to go to the uh, stationery store and get you some stuff so you can keep score. And I remember he was like, so you have to keep score? I go, yeah, you have to keep score. So we went in and we got pens and pencils and uh, erasers and rulers and scissors and scotch tape. And uh, and he had his little bag full of stuff and I gave him a scorecard and, uh, and he was off and rolling. And then... You know, 29 years later, here we are still sitting in, in, a, in a booth, uh, you know, doing games. So it goes fast. It really does. It really, it does not seem like that long. I honestly kind of, I, you know, think of you guys as, as having, you know, been a really, relatively recent addition to the local podcast <laughs> scene. Yeah. Well, you know, what happens is you start splitting up your years where you're at Candlestick you know, Mike started in like ninety, so he did ten years of candlestick. You know, I did fifteen, uh, and then you know we were lucky enough to get into that new park, where then things went fast. Yeah, because it was you know such a beautiful place. We we have to say we loved candlestick. It was where we played, and uh, you know it was where we both started our second careers. But the bottom line was, is you know it, it was not easy. Uh, it made our jobs more difficult as, as players and as broadcasters. But once you got into the new park, and, uh, and you know, by then the teams were all competitive. And when that happens, it's going to go fast because you can't wait to get to the park every day. And that's the way it still is. And, uh, and probably it's going to be like that until we're not doing it anymore. It better be like that. Otherwise, you might as well just stay home. Well, how, how much longer do you maybe see doing this? Obviously, we know that Mike has um, had his physical challenges with his illness, and you guys have, have found really great ways to, to work around that. I know you've been a huge help to him. But, we, you know, we've seen this sort of wave of some really um, notable broadcasters announcing their retirements in the last few years, including recently, you know, uh, uh, your co-winner, uh, Mr. Lightner, right. uh, and you know, Mike Shannon, I think, uh, after this season. Do you have kind of a, a date you're targeting to maybe uh, move on, or would you like to do this forever? Well, I'd like to do it as long as I can, and, and, I'll, and I'll use Lon Simmons as an example. I mean, Lon, it really kept Lon young. He was around young people. Uh, it kept his mind sharp. Uh, you know, he had the old jokes and the old one-liners, and everybody rolled their eyes. But my goodness, was it great having him around. And uh, and he stayed quick. You know, Al Rosen told Mike and I a long time ago. You know, he had he had invited. This was probably thirty, twenty five, thirty years ago, where he invited Bob Brenly, myself, and Mike Crooker to play golf. And uh, and I remember at one point during our, our round of golf, one of us asked Al, "Why us?" <laughs> and I was like, "I can't stand being around old people." He said, I, "He said the only way you can stay young is to be around young people," and uh, and he's absolutely right. And that's that's why I think you'll see most broadcasters uh, really appreciate the fact of being around these young guys because it really keeps them young. And I'm sad to see the Lightners go. I'm yeah. sad to see Joe Simpson move from TV to radio. I'm sad to see Burt Weiler not doing it anymore. Yeah. 
Yeah. I just saw one of the broadcasters in Baltimore was let go. Uh, Oof, yeah, my goodness. Tom Hunter? Is that Tom? Yeah, and um, Gary Thorne, uh, Palmer, my goodness. So, and, and I, you know, look, I don't know the details on this, but I don't believe that it's their idea. Oh, it can't be. Uh, not all of them at once. That's crazy. So, you know, we're seeing our age group slowly start to get phased out. And, uh, you know, I guess what John and Mike and I have to do is is make sure that that doesn't happen to us. And we don't ever feel like that is going to happen to us. No, no. Uh, I, don't, I can't imagine that, that, that anyone would be even yeah. remotely thinking about that. But you're going to have to stay on your toes, Kipe, I guess. That's that's the bottom line. Not everybody in Larry's position in other franchises value what the radio and TV broadcasts are all about. And he has that as a very high value part of the Giants brand. You know, we've always said we, we, Mike and I have said we need to have twenty-four hour protection for Larry. Help him across the street. <laughs> make sure the pilots are smart when he gets on a plane because we need to have him around. Absolutely. Now, uh, as you know, I'm coming over to cover the Giants after a billion years on the A's. Uh, what were <laughs> what were your impressions? Of the Giants this last year, what what can you tell me? Uh, what's the most important thing to know? Well, the question really is: Did they overachieve, or was it really them? Uh, because after the first two games, I remember calling Mike and saying, "They may not win a game. <laughs> it was bad, and they were playing the Dodgers. So, so they're all in two, and they win the next two games." And uh, and those two games may have been the most two important games of the year, just to get them back on track. And uh, and I thought that you know, given the fact that they were playing in the in the National League West and how they ended up, uh, I thought they had a great year. Uh, you know, not a great year. I thought they had a really really good year. Uh, I mean, the only, the only reason they did not go into you know the first round of the playoffs. They had the same record as Milwaukee, but Milwaukee and, and the tiebreaker is division records. Right. Well, you know the, the Pirates aren't in the National League West. Hundred percent, yeah. You know, so I mean, so anyway, like I'm not making any excuses. They should have won one game at the end. They should have won one more game at the end, and they wouldn't have had to worry about Milwaukee or Pittsburgh or anybody else. And they didn't do it, and, uh, and they had their chances to do it, and they didn't do it. Uh, but overall, Susan, I thought that Gabe did a really good job. I thought his, I thought the fact that the players bought into some stuff that we weren't sure they were going to buy into, but uh, but they did, and uh, and it turned some careers around. You know, Belt had you know, Belt had a great year. Uh, you know, and I've said this before, and I, I don't want to beat anybody over the head. But if Buster's there, they probably win five or six more games. Yeah. And uh, and they probably win those games even if he doesn't swing the bat. Uh, that's how important he is behind the plate. And that's where the Giants, you know, were hurt. I mean, Joey Barr wasn't ready. Uh, some of the other guys did a nice job of filling in. But the way he handles pitchers, uh, it would have definitely increased their, their wins. And, and then they'd, they'd get in. And, you know, look, they, they would have had a chance to play the Dodgers. 
How much fun would that have been? Would have been uh, uh, that would have been pretty darn fun in Texas. It would have been, been strange. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, so, obviously, uh, Gabe Kapler is a little bit of a lightning rod. You know, comes in last year, first year, it winds up being a you know crazy year with the pandemic and shortened season. Were, were you able to form some impressions of him as a manager? That, yes, absolutely, and uh, and you know we had. I think John and I were in in Scottsdale for a week before everything got shut down, and, and we had a chance to to get to know him a little bit. And then you know, I mean, you you were part of this. I mean, we were zoomed to death after a while, uh, and you know, and we talked to Gabe a lot on Zoom, and you know, you can get to know a guy a little bit on Zoom, but you really don't get to know him until you're sitting across from him uh, or standing next to him at the batting cage. That's when you get to know a guy. Yep. So I'm looking forward to when we can do that again because you know, I think as old ball players, uh, you try to find a, a comfort level as to where can I get to know this guy? And it's not on Zoom. It's not. But that's the way it was, and you know that's that's what we all had to deal with. We'll be back with more with Dwayne Kuyper in just a few moments. But first, a reminder that you can find full Giants and Major League Baseball coverage at sfchronicle.com. And to subscribe, go to sfchronicle.com slash pod. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady, a Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. So it's going to be weird coming in first year on a beat. I don't, you know, I've talked to Crawford and Posey and groups, but, you know, probably a couple other in groups. But, uh, yeah, I really don't know anyone on the 40-man roster personally very well. So Zooms are going to be very weird. Like, hey, I'm the one who's not Henry, you know. <laughs> so. Well, and, and some of them are going to say, and they're going to say they're kidding. Good. <laughs> they're going to have to deal with Henry, which... Uh, you know, is is tongue in cheek because you know all the years that Henry was there, he did a he did a great job. Oh, magnificent uh, job! It's he did a great job for sure. Uh, but you know, what's really odd for you is is maybe you don't see Belt or Posey or Crawford after this year. I mean, that's a distinct possibility. Yeah, uh, yeah. How do you see things in in this coming season for the Giants? It's uh, as weird as last year was. Uh, you know, I I think you can point to some things like the team obviously improved improved over the course of even a short shortened season um and and they kept things interesting this year they haven't done an enormous amount uh so far this off season uh you know a couple little moves to to make things better but they they've got so much money potentially coming off the books next off season where do you feel like they're going this what is this season yeah i think if you if you and i don't know if it's going to happen if they're going to add another round of playoffs, because that's the Giants' chance. Yeah. Uh, you know, they're not as talented as the Dodgers, and they're not as talented as the Padres. So now you have to get in uh, another way, and that would be 
another round of playoffs. And I, and I think they can do that. Uh, the other thing, too, Susan, is as important it is that the major league season starts, it's equally as important that the minor league season starts. Because 2022 would be just about the time that those young guys the Giants have coming up are going to start to to be part of the, the, the major league roster. They need, they absolutely need a full season in the minor leagues to get to that point. So I think 2021 for the Giants is do what you did last year, surprise some people, you know, stay in the hunt as long as you can. Maybe you see a couple of young guys come up and then, you know, Farhan and, and Scott and those guys can just totally get after it in the off season of 2021 because there's going to be a lot of free agents and they're going to have money to spend and they'll know a little bit more about their young guys and how close they are. Yeah, man, I, it would be very strange to not see those three guys. But, you know, once Bumgarner was gone, it's, uh, you know, I guess uh, anything can happen. So, Well, they could also, you know, I think Buster's got the Giants have an option on Buster. Mm-hmm. Uh, Crawford and Bell, no, but but they could if if they're looking and, and they're seeing that no, we don't have people coming. You know, they could offer those guys another year, and uh, you know maybe Crawford can get two or three years with another team or Belt. Uh, but maybe they offer them a deal to come back for another year which would get your minor leaguers a little closer to the big leagues and, uh, and also, you know, spend some money on other spots and add to your 2022 season. But it's going to be odd. Really odd. It is, but man, it's also also shaping up to be a really remarkable (laughs) year for free agents. So especially at some place like shortstop where suddenly there are these real superstar and young superstar type players on the market. That could be an option, too, since they, they have the resources. Very strange for me to be talking about spending money on free agents. Okay, very strange. Yeah. Well, and, and let's face it, Farhan hasn't done it. Yeah, not yet. Uh, but, you know, he's got the checkbook to do it. Yep. And, uh, and he, you know, and, you know, the, his ability to, to get these guys that, you know, are coming off of a, a bad year or coming off an injury – and uh, and perform like some of these guys did. I mean, I was when 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 Farhan signed Smiley, I yawned. <laughs> I mean, I saw Smiley face the Giants the year before, and I, I wasn't in Philadelphia. I remember watching it on TV, and uh, and he was just a junk guy. He was you know eighty eight, maybe eighty seven curveballs. So I'm thinking, eh, all right. And then he's hitting 95 on the gun when he, you know, after he's here for a little while. I was like, wow, what happened? So whatever they're doing to rehab these guys, it's working. Yeah. And uh, and that's why some of these players that they've signed now, like Disco Fani, uh, they have to be thrilled to know that they're going to be helped as much as they can to get their stuff back. And uh, And if you can combine that with an open checkbook, you know, then you got a shot to stay with the Dodgers and the Padres. As hard as it may seem, you still got a shot. 
now, <clears throat> moving on to kind of a more solemn topic. This has been a, a tough offseason, really a tough year for the number of great, great people that we've lost in baseball. And I know you had good relationships with, with so many of the ones we've lost. Uh, and, and I knew you were a, a big Hank Aaron fan, too. Um, first of all, losing Hank, what, what was your immediate re- reaction when you heard that? Well, there are some guys that you think are just going to be alive way longer than you are. And Hank was one of those guys for me. Uh, and I had no relationship with him, none whatsoever. You stood next to him at second base, you know, when he played the two years in the American League. I wanted to ask for his autograph. I was too afraid to do it. I wanted to say hi. I was too afraid to do it. I really kind of lived lived Hank Aaron through Dusty, you know, having been all those years with Dusty and Dusty talking about Hank and Hank this and Hank that. And, uh, and you know, Dusty talked about Hank, and you stopped and listened. Uh, so that's how I kind of lived my life was through Dusty with Hank Aaron. But when he, but when I, I looked, when he got to the big leagues, I was four years old. And <laughs> it was amazing to think that that 20 years after that, uh, almost 25, you know, I was on the same field as he was and just totally in awe. And I couldn't believe that this was actually happening. Uh, but he was, he was awesome. I used to love to watch, watch him hit. And he was really a line drive home run hitter. If you can believe that, uh, more years where he, he, he walked more than he struck out. There's a guy that hit home runs, and he walked more than he struck out. And he didn't walk a great deal, and he didn't strike out a great deal. Uh, I used to love to hear Sandy Koufax say, "Nah, I couldn't. I couldn't get a fastball by him." Bob Gibson said, "You know what? I had a pretty good fastball. I couldn't get it by Hank." Uh, and you know, and, and I've mentioned this before that. All those guys that that have passed away, uh, all those guys that played in the 60s, if you shook their hand, you better get your hand in there <laughs> because they were so strong-handed uh, that they would take a knuckle or two, and they weren't even trying, especially Mays. You shake Mays' hand, better get it in there. McCovey, you better get it in there. Cepeda, oh, the paws on that guy. You better get it in there. And that's where their strength came from, was their hands. Wow. Well, I know you were very close to Joe Morgan. You obviously played with him, played behind him. Um, and you guys were, were really good friends. Uh, and obviously, you know, uh, uh, Oakland and and everything, that uh, a huge loss also. Well, Joe lives, you know, a quarter of a mile from where we live in Danville. And, uh, and I didn't see Joe a lot, but, you know, I saw enough of Joe. And remember, I got traded to the Giants in 82, and he was the second baseman. Yeah. You know, I, I know Frank traded for me because he liked how I was in the clubhouse. You know, normally, if you're going to get a backup to the guy playing, you'd want him to look from the other side. We were both left-handed hitters, but my numbers were that I hit lefties better than righties anyway. So we're in spring training, and Joe's great. He's super teammate. And one day he hands me a piece of paper, and there's 20 pitchers on it. 
And he says, these are the guys that you'll be playing against. So I looked on the list. They're all in the Hall of Fame, every one of them. <laughs> it's Carlton, it's Candelaria, it's Mavecki, it's Lawler. Every one of these guys were left-handed and threw the snot out of the ball. And I looked at Joe, and he just shrugged his shoulders. He's like, hey, you know, I'm the guy, so there's the guys you're going to play against. <laughs> and he, he, he actually, you know, he gave the list to Frank. And, uh, and Frank was very diligent in how he treated Joe. And every once in a while, if Joe had a big game, uh, like on a Friday night, and the next day, one of those guys on the list, Frank, he'd say, you know what, I had a big game. You know, I'd like, my swing is good, I'd like to be in there. I'm thinking, Joe, you, you, you lied to me. You said I was going to get a chance to play today, and now, you know, I'm sitting here cheerleading you again. Um, but... That one year I was with Joe in 82 is great. And then, of course, uh, Corey Bush says in 1986, he said, I want you and Joe and Phil Stone to be our three guys on Giants Vision. And then after the 86 season, Corey said, I want you and Joe. Phil Stone's not coming back. And you're going to start doing some play-by-play. And I said, no, that's not going to happen. He said, yeah, it is going to happen. And uh, that's really how I got started. And Joe and I worked together for five years. That's amazing. That's absolutely amazing. Uh, we also lost Tommy Lasorda, um, a big name in, obviously, National League West and the, the rivalry and all of that. What was your relationship with, with uh, Lasorda like? Well, you're, you're, first of all, your relationship with Lasorda, if you're new to the league, the only relationship you have with him is what you hear him yelling at you from the dugout. And, it, you know, it's not something that you hear in Sunday school. Uh, and that's that. That's it, you know. I, I mean, I, I think the very first thing I heard him yelling at me when I was in the batter's box was, just another American League reject. <laughs> I was like, I wasn't a reject. I was a pretty good years, you know. I, I wanted to argue with him, right? But here's the guy throwing the ball and, so that was him, but but the thing about it is, is if you got him behind the batting cage, like the next day, he would have a, a fairly normal conversation with you until there was a crowd, and then he would put on a show. <laughs> I mean, and that that was him. He was a showman. So if you really wanted to get into a nice conversation with him, it had to be one on one, and nobody else could be around, and. uh and Mike and I had a lot of fun with him at press boxes uh, around the league once he retired. And, but it was, he was still the same way. He'd walk into the press room, and if there was a crowd of scouts around there, he would just belittle you, you know. Hey, you know, we used to go over the scouting reports, Kuiper on you, and nobody had anything to say. <laughs> you know, and he'd stuff like that, and he'd laugh, you know, and then, and uh, he was he was entertaining, and uh, and he definitely was an ambassador. That's for sure. Yeah, I mean, I, 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 he was just fun to be around. It's a, hey, it's a, the whole business is entertainment. So, more of that, please. Um, obviously, you're known for playing for the Indians for a very long time. Uh, they've had an interesting off season too. Um, they announced that they will be changing their name after this season. What what were, was your reaction to that? And and might you have any suggestions for what they should be called? next well look I, I, 
you know, the, the, the sensitivity to that name to a large group of people meant that it had to go and it probably should have happened 20 years ago. So as much as that, that meant, that name meant so much to me for the first 10 years that I was in pro ball, uh, I look at it now like it really wasn't the Indians. It was it was Cleveland, and uh, and I've seen some of the names Susan that they want to use, and they're all terrible. <laughs> they, they are. They're they're absolutely terrible. Uh, I saw someone the other day wrote about you know the, the the Braves need to change their name to the Hammers. I love that. Yeah, that was like, oh, all right. Can the Indians borrow that? <laughs> Uh, and there isn't, you know, there really isn't any names that inspire me when it comes to, to, uh, to Cleveland, but I'm sure they're going to come up with something and it'll be weird for a while, but, uh, but it had to happen. And, you know, the Braves thing is probably going to happen eventually. Yeah. I don't, you know, I, I see spiders brought up every once in a while, which I wouldn't mind. Certainly at least has a historical connection with the city. So. Yeah. Uh, that that could be possible, but yeah, some of them have been some some pretty major stinkers. But, uh, yeah, there's a lot more stinkers than ones that inspire you. That's for sure. Yeah, hundred um, percent. Before I let you go, I have to ask about your uh, household menagerie. You know, we are we share a love of cats, and and uh, you've you've adopted some special needs cats over the years. So, how's everybody doing? Well, we're really lucky because. We love we love dogs. I mean, we've we've had dogs, and, and uh, our cats are special. We have one that's blind and can't it, it is blind, just totally blind. It has no eyes at all. We have another one that uh, that has one eye and can't hear, and then we have another one that runs around, and hides in a bed. <laughs> and they they have personality, and uh, and you know if if you're an older couple like my wife and I. You need some personality in the house. And the other thing that's really important is, I mean, our granddaughter is now 15 months old. She's walking. uh, She's trying to talk. And the minute she walks into our house, she'll give her grandmother a hug. She'll give me a hug. And she looks for those cats. And our, our, our kittens and our cats are so good they let her andy poke poke her in the nose and she they let her poke in the nose brush kind of roughly not meaning to and they just they just let her do it and uh and that really warms my heart because uh you know that's how kids you know that's how kids fall in love with with the animals like like we fall in love with them uh and uh you know i i I don't necessarily promote ARF, but it is such a great facility. And all of the places that take these animals are great facilities. I know my son works there, and people ask him, what do you do? He says, well, I use cats and dogs business. Yeah. And that's basically what he is. You know, people turn in their animals or... And go down the valley and start picking out these animals that they're going to put down, and uh, they end up in, in great homes. So, I appreciate you asking. Our first experience with cats is we let them outside, and that doesn't work. Mm-mm. Doesn't work where we live. 
I know some people still do it, but uh, there's really a good chance that there's a, a coyote out there that's going to want some dinner. Yeah. So you got to be careful. Yeah, yeah. Cats. Uh, I think the numbers on uh, cats' longevity inside versus outside is pretty extreme, and also uh, you're probably making a bit, making yourself a better neighbor if you keep your <laughs> cats inside. Well, the other thing too, Susan, is is you're protecting the birds. Birds. Yep. Birds, other uh, people's yards, all sorts of all sorts of things. So absolutely, litter boxes. So. It is. Uh, yeah, ARF does great work. Uh, all the local shelters do. I volunteer at a shelter in Redwood City, and um, they're all. It's just it's just it's, wonderful work. It's so. fantastic. Yeah. By the way, uh, you're going to really enjoy the National League. Oh, well, uh, that's good because I have loved the American League. I've been. I gotta say, I'm a DH person. I love American League City. So you you might have to do some. You might have to be twisting my arm a little bit here. Yeah. What should I most look out for? Well, you have to work hard with me and other people. Mike and I are trying to get Seattle into the National League West and Colorado into the American League West. I like it. Just because that baseball in Colorado is a little weird. Yeah, and Seattle would, is like my favorite town. Yeah, I, I, that's I'm crushed to not be going to Seattle three times a year, so I'm all in favor of that. Yeah, actually, any kind of radical realignment, I used to be very much against, but for many, many reasons, including more practical travel, but also Seattle, I'm very much in favor of. <laughs> I love Seattle. I mean, Seattle to me is as good as Chicago. Absolutely. And Chicago's, you know. Chicago's a really good town. Yeah. You're gonna have to. You might uh, have to do a little bit of a selling job on on Milwaukee for me. I don't know it well, um, but I'm looking forward to getting to know it. Oh, yeah. we got places in Milwaukee. We got one spot, the Milwaukee Market. That look, you know what we do when we travel? You're the same way. You have to be able to kill two or three hours. Yep. You got to do it. Okay. Well. Uh, we'll, we'll figure that out when we get to Milwaukee. Here's hoping that we get to travel this year. That would, uh, if that that happens, things are going very well, and I think we'll be extremely happy. So, Dwayne Kuiper, thanks so much for being my very first guest on Giants Splash. It's been a pleasure, and I hope uh, we have you on later in the season to maybe uh, go over the Giants' fortunes. I can't believe I actually had to win this award to be the first one. Yeah, that was it. That was going to be the the dividing line. <laughs> Thanks again, Kuyper. Susan, thank you. Welcome aboard. Our thanks again to Dwayne Kuyper for joining us on Giant Splash. Our producers today were King Kaufman and G. Allen Johnson. We'll be back again next week with more Giant Splash. Thanks for listening.